a problem here And it's more than just Alvin streaming Punisher When life begins to suck, who's reporting it? Luckily, you got two friends who you won't forget Coming live, Alvin and friend on survival Laughing non-stop, case drops on a cycle Louder than intrusive thoughts off an iPhone How they make the world seem bright with the lights off? AFs, it might as well stay up Lies being told like that dinosaur BS Magnifying glass to the ground if they don't see us Having the time, roasting your favorite pizza Bougie ain't an option, it's the wage Take it to the grave, add poop into the place You already know when they take the case Laugh the pain away, it's a CrimeCon Day 2, coming live from the booth. We have just got set up frantically because today we are focused on Tales from the Hood. These are uh, our, uh, this is our attempt to get many-sold content. And sitting in front of us, long-time listener, uh, contributor, yes, uh, all-around homie, one Kamisha is sitting in front of us right now saying she has a story ready to tell to you, us, and all of CrimeCon. Kamisha, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to tell y'all my story. Well, you know something? Without any further ado, yeah. Fran, let's, let's just get into it, and we will try to cut down on jumping in and asking you questions before you finish. Yeah, okay. So you all had an episode where you are talking about the barbershop experience. We okay? did. Going to the barbershop, how your barber swirl you around and put you in the mirror. Okay, yes. so I have a short haircut, so mm -hmm. I've had a barber now for like two, three years. For sure. So two years in, I go in, and we don't really, like, talk a lot. Mm -hmm. We just, like... Keep it's business. Chill, you know, like, yeah. whatever. He's cool. All right. So I go in one time, and he's talking about voting, why he can't vote. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah. why is that? <laughs> so he goes, yeah, I got a charger on me. And then they were like, yeah, but they reinstate some rights. Uh -huh. What kind of charges? Yeah. So he goes, not with mine. I got a murder charge. Oh. And I was like, all right. oh, <laughs> look at you being bad. That's all I said. Yeah. All I said is, look at you being bad. <laughs> All right. I like my barber. It's hard to find a yeah, barber. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how good yeah. is the haircut? Yes. It is amazing. It is. Oh, Let then me you got to you. Listen. hang in there then. Listen. I walk out of the barbershop. People are like, damn, you made me want to cut my hair. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I got to keep the barber. Yeah. So this is November. I go back December, get my haircut, go home, spend time with family, whatever. I come back January. It's time for a haircut. Mm -hmm. So I text him. No response. Uh-oh. All right. So I message again. Yeah. No response. That's not my and barber. This is, this is money. It's money on it's the not, table. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's responsive. I said to my fiance at the time, I'm like, hey, man, my barber ain't respond. He's like, just mentioning. He's like, maybe he's busy. I was like, ain't no way. Yeah, he too busy to busy. make money? <laughs> like, he responds. Yeah. So I decided to pull up to the shop because need, you need your haircut. not responding, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm out here looking bummy. So I pull up to the shop. they like, oh, he had a family emergency. I'm like, okay. Can somebody cut my hair? All right, whatever. <laughs> Well, you don't want to get again. your hair cut by the first chair guy. Yeah, he is the first chair guy. It's whoa, his shop. whoa! It's his shop. It's his shop. It's his shop. Oh, okay, it's got shop. it. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. that's different so, context oh, yes, in different, different. barbershops. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Right, sorry. It's his shop. He's first chair. People wait in line. There'll be other barbers there, and they don't go to them. They want to go to him. Wait to come to him. Yeah. Right. So anyway, he's the I one. He's the one. This guy is the one. Yeah. Murder charge. Criminal, but he got a steady hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, so I go in, and I'm like, so where's Ray? They're like, oh, family emergency, my ass. Family emergencies don't last as long. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, huh, that's so strange. But then I had looked up when he had told me what happened. I got a murder charge. I looked it up. So it was a drug-related offense, and he had shot somebody in the midst 
of said drug offense. Mm. So I decided, okay, he must have been caught up yes. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been gone for two months. Well, listen, notoriously what I would say is, and whether it's true or not for everyone, having a barbershop's a great front for being a drug dealer. Yeah. I, not that I oh, know yeah. for pers- from personal experience, but it's a cash business, yeah. and, and uh, the clientele is yeah. consistent. Yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah, it's a great place to launder money for if sure. you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. Not saying that that, well, yeah. uh, well he, he may dabble. Well, see, been. he made an offhand comment one time when I was like, somebody found money on the side of like driving to Miami, going to the Everglades area, and he was like, dang, people like that always finding stuff. If I found that or found money, I'd know how to flip it. And I was like, what you know about nothing? That was my response. But, you know, it was like offhanded, whatever. Yeah. So I go and I look him up and they're like, there's no charge. He's yeah. arrested. Uh-huh. He is Pending, up. pending. But there's no charge. It just says DEA hold. Oh. So I'm like, okay. Time for you so to find I a wait. new exactly. <laughs> So I look again and eventually it goes. Mm. Um, that he's been arrested for trafficking fentanyl Ooh. and cocaine. Ooh. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, you're getting, you're, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I ain't had no barber. I work around, like, yeah. trying to find a new barber. It was terrible. And then I found one guy, and he cuts my hair. He's good. I go back the next time. He not there. I'm like, where is he? He got arrested. I was like, is it me? Am <laughs> Your I radar's off. Your radar's off. <laughs> wow. Your radar's off. But, yes. So that's it. So now I have an actual barber. I told him the story. I was like, get arrested. I'm just going to grow my hair out. And that's it. So that's my tale. The anxiety that I have in finding a new barber. Exactly. Now, my, 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 my main barber has been out of business for maybe like a couple months now. So before this trip, I had to go get a new barber. Yeah. Who was a, a white guy. Whoa. Made me super ner- I said, I don't know if. This is the plot of Barbershop, the I don't movie. know if he's going to be able to cut my hair how I like it. Mm-hmm. Now, you just. It was a little racist. I think he did pretty good. One. I think the edges look great. So I so, was. So the barber I was telling you about is a white guy. Ah. He's a white guy. Okay. It's like the R and B conversation yeah. we had. White guys Basically. are taking. They're taking over. Yeah. They're starting to. They figured out the formula yeah. and they're starting to get yeah. good. I'm like, you. All your friends black. Your yeah. wife black. Yeah. Everybody black. Uh-huh. Like, okay. you picked up some things. Right. right. You yeah. want, you so. you get it. Right. Yeah. Kamisha. That was a that was an amazing tale. Love it. I'm sorry that your barber got jam- <laughs> I'm sorry that your barber got jammed up the way that he did. Again. But maybe you'll get a great haircut in like ten to twenty. Yeah. Right. You I'm know. Like, Dang, it's twenty years before I get a real clean. Yeah. When he gets when he gets back out when he gets back out he'll you'll be back on top and so will he. Yeah. And then he'll be back in prison. <laughs> Kamisha, thank you so much thank for stopping you. by. Um, thank you so much for supporting the podcast and we love you very much. All right, I love you guys too. Thank you. Crime, Crime Con 2023, we are here live at the booth with... Sarah Ferris. Sarah Ferris from... Uh, I have... Which, which one? We talked about this last night. I know. You have like three podcasts. Well, I thought you meant geographically. So from, I'm oh, wait, wait, wait. We, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Sarah Ferris from London. Yeah, from New Zealand originally, but for, now I live in London, and I have three true crime podcasts. Yes. Uh, the first two are actually con stories that happened to family members of mine Okay. that were discovered within a month of each other. So, you know, never have a con artist in your life and then two come along at once. For wow. sure. Um, so I'll circle back to those two because they're crazy. And then I do a podcast called Stop the Killing with Catherine Schweit, who is the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. Ooh, okay. Wow. And I know nobody expects me yeah. to say that after <laughs> yeah. I say the other one. Yeah. Or they've just met me. Yeah. Um, fear. So... <laughs> Yes, so that is me. And how long have you been podcasting and what brought you to podcasting, aside from the fact that it happened directly to you? Yeah, okay, so um, I uh, probably circle back to my 
first podcast, which is Conning the Con. Yes. And so back in 2019, my little sister had swipe right on a guy on Tinder. Yes. She dated him for six months, as you do. Uh-huh. And he groomed her over that time. And uh, long story short, she puts money into his bank account. The very next day, she discovers his real name. Oh, pops on the internet that he's a serial con man just out of jail. Um, but the kicker is, he didn't know that he'd been busted. So we decided to hit record and spend the next two and a half months conning the con right back. So uh. he uh, fled the country. We lured him back. Yes. And there's a whole spy story in between. So that's how I got into podcasting. That you you were the orchestrator of this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Again, nobody expects me to say that. <laughs> Sarah, uh, one pleasure to meet you. We met uh, last night at a mixer, obviously, but uh, yeah. it's good, good to, good to uh, talk to you more. Looking forward to talking to you more. Did not know your story. Now I know it. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I will definitely yeah. be listening to Conning the Con, ah. along with the uh, litany of other podcasts that you have. I'm sure that there are five more coming in the works. You seem They're like actually you, legitimately. Yeah, you, there you, is. You, you see, you seem, you seem like a busybody. <laughs> and, uh, a busybody or a busy person? <laughs> <laughs> I take offense immediately to that. You seem like a busy human. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Um, but if you could, one more time, pick all three, plug them away, uh, okay. and tell the people where they can find you. Okay, you can find uh, Clueless, the long, the long con. Uh, Everywhere that you listen to podcasts, it is spelled K-L-O-O-G-H because uh, the con man's name was Barry Clue. Yes. Okay. The only good thing he did was give me that pun for a title. Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, in the Con. You can find them all basically on at Community Podcast. C-O-N. Uh, See what I did there? <laughs> so, Community Podcast on Instagram, and that will link you through to all of my podcasts, essentially. Awesome. And one last time, because you are from London by way of New Zealand, real quick, what are your thoughts on beans on toast? Was I, mm, Overrated, underrated, the, just the right meal, awful? Well, I mean, I'm vegetarian, and I can tell you I never eat them, so what does that tell you? Probably. I mean, that should be a staple of anyone's <laughs> life if I'm a vegetarian, but that's a no for me. You would think so, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chili beans, right. totally different story. All right, All right. Word, word from Sarah, beans on toast, meh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. Love it, guys. <laughs>
The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P. At checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. CrimeCon Day 2, we're just doing a quick check in. Fran, um, yes. I would say even though we did get a little bit tipsy and are, were hungover this morning, uh, we got down here a little bit late, but t it's been pretty chill Day 2. Yeah. Surprisingly, yes. The, the, the day is, there's still a lot of day left. Yes. There's still yes, a lot of yes. day left, but so far it's been pretty chill. What are your thoughts? My and thoughts. what are your what's your head like, both mentally and from the many Jack and Cokes that you had? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. You know, I don't. You know, you no. keep telling people I'm a I'm a lightweight. I never said those words ever. You one have. Time. You've been saying that the whole weekend. No, you've been saying it the whole weekend. I, I disagree. You've been saying it, but I'm fine. I don't have a hangover. I'm awesome. I'm, I'm my battery's full. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's not now, the case for me. I will say I am happy. Because you know what my intentions was coming to this. And that was almost already solved in like the first 20 minutes we've been here. We met some good connects a second ago. Yes. I'm a little excited about that. I hope that, that that opportunity comes to fruition. Sure. So, you know, you know, I'm good now. That put me in a good mood. Okay, good. Well, yeah. I'm, I love a good mood, Fran, yes. for day two. That's always good. Um, what are some of your expect expectations now? It's day two. Uh, shout out to also uh, Kamisha, long time. Kamish. Amazing listener. Yes. Also, shout out to uh, Chiquita. She came down yesterday. Yes. We've we've met some OGs in the in, in uh, of our of our family of yeah. affirminators, and that is awesome. Uh, you know, what are your expectations as day two progresses into day three, the last day of CrimeCon? To get as much content as we. Hello, can. what's Hello. going? Hold on, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Hi, yes. how are you guys doing? We have one mic here. There's three of you. Please, uh, welcome <laughs> to CrimeCon. How are you guys doing? How are you? Great, fantastic. Your name is? Sonia. 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 Jazz. Jazz. I'm Savannah. Savannah. Between the three of you, we do a thing called... Uh, we got, they got one more. One more. Oh, oh there's one. Get her in. Melissa. Melissa. Okay. Mel? Mel. Yes. Okay, okay, between the four of you, uh, I would assume we do a thing where we uh, have people send emails in and tell us about tales from them growing up or just life in general that might have been crazy, spooky. Maybe you had a ghost encounter. Maybe somebody, you thought there was a... Ooh, okay. A, My neighbor died a few weeks ago. <laughs> That's not funny. In his house, and he sat there for two days before anybody found him. I don't know how to. <laughs> that, was, that was so cold and uh, matter of fact the way you said it. Um, I'm sorry. Did, was this a longtime neighbor, friend of yours? No, I just moved here six months ago. Oh, so this okay. is, you have no attachment. No. So what was the vibe? Did it like creep the neighborhood out? Well, was so it spooky? My alarm was going it's close off. to Halloween too. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. My alarm was going off at my house, so I sent my other neighbor over to my house to see who had broken in. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh my gosh, there's police cars at other neighbor's house." Yeah. And I was like, oh "My gosh, they were there yesterday too when my husband got home." So then he's like, "Nobody broke in the house. Like my cats had pushed a door open." Anyways, so then. He goes back home, he texts me later, and he's like, I just wanted to let you know that our neighbor died. And I was like, <laughs> my gosh. I did cry, though. Well, that's shocking news to find out that somebody died in their I house. mean, you just moved there. and I know. Oh, and it's so sad. They were <laughs> alone for two days. He nobody was, nobody came yeah, over. Yeah. He didn't have any company. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Savannah, thank you for that. The line of the weekend, I got to be honest with you. The way, the, that was <laughs> so cold. It was so cold. Just yeah. call me. I'll join. It was very cold. Anyone else? 
It doesn't have to be creepy. It could be an interesting, uh, serendipitous story from childhood. Maybe there was a, you thought that somebody broke okay. into your house, but it was just your your mom being loud. My brother drowned in a pool when he was three years old. Oh, my God. But, no, no, he's alive. Listen. Okay. So, crazy story. Drowned. They were pronouncing him dead. Like, CP, CPR is not working. All the things, right? Uh -huh. He comes back to life. We take him to the hospital. Three years old. We, um, next younger, day, younger. So you were there? Younger I, brother? I was five. Yeah. So he's okay. my younger brother. I was five years old. Remember it all. We get the next day. He's in the hospital. He tells my mom, hey, what happened to grandma's dad? And she's like, grandma's dad? I never met him. He died a long time ago. And he was like, he, he had a beard. He had long hair. He told me to go back to the light. Whoa. Three years old. Whoa. That's wild. Who make, you, a kid can't make that up. No, a kid wouldn't just say that. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you guys are, that's deep. Uh, whoa. <laughs> that chills. Um, yeah, you guys are two for two. Does anybody want to follow that? Got one more? I don't think I have a story. I don't know. Yeah, well, you can't top coming back to life. I know. I know. No. Yeah, that was. I, I, I didn't expect that. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, on, on, on that note, there's nothing there's nothing to top. Uh, please, everybody, uh, one more time, your names and also what brought you to CrimeCon, if there's a specific case. One at a time, go down the line. We're going to start with Savannah. Savannah with the dead neighbor. Um, Adnan Syed got me start, started on true crime, so when in Rome. Yes. Um, Melissa, and I just love true crime in general. Like, I don't have yeah. anything in particular. All of it. Okay. Yeah. My son got married yesterday, and so we missed Woo. the first two days, but we're here now. <laughs> Uh, my name is Sonia, and I'm basically a detective, but honestly, Ooh. the crime that I just need answers for is Bryce Lespisa. Oh, okay. okay, yes. Okay, Jazz here. Um, I don't know. I listen to a lot of the podcasts that are here, so I heard on a lot of our podcasts they were going to be here, so we came to meet them. And, and we got right. to meet y'all. So yeah, and then look, how, look how that goes like yeah. that. You know, that, <laughs> Look at that synchronicity like that. If you, What are your top three that are here right now? Top three that are here, um, there's one right around the corner. We just met her. And I can't think of anything. Well, the ones that brought you now here. Now that the there's ones a microphone in front of me, I can't think of anything. It's my favorite podcast. Listen to it every week. Okay. The Be a Detective Game, um, Lies and Alibis, okay. and um, Affirmative Murder. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was. She, it took her a minute. It took yeah, her a minute. Just, it took it her a minute. I was, like, I was like, it was, it was a test. It was, it was a test. We're going to say. Yeah, so so uh, thank you guys so much for stopping thank by. You, I hope you. to enjoy CrimeCon. Maybe we'll catch you guys wandering around later, and we'll, 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 we'll meet once again. Yeah. 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 So thank you guys so much. Care, you too. Thank you. <laughs> CrimeCon, we're reporting live from the booth. You never know who you may run into. And we are sitting here with a criminology professor named... Christine Zozula. Oh, Christine. Uh, uh, we've been talking, obviously, before we started recording, and then we found out what you do. It's very much in the wheelhouse of what we like to talk about. Yes. Yeah. So uh, how did you get into the profession, and what are your thoughts on an event like CrimeCon? Yeah, so... I got into the profession, I went to undergrad, um, didn't know what I wanted to major in, loved sociology, loved um, anthropology, and then I went to grad school. I was super interested in um, specialized courts, so I was really into like crime, I was really into how the criminal justice system works. Yeah. yeah. Went to grad school, got a PhD. Now a criminology professor. Ooh. Bing, bang, yeah. boom. Yeah. <laughs> Bing, bang, boom. Criminology professor. Um, what do I think about what's going on here? I am, right now, I'm studying how 
people who aren't criminal justice professionals uh -huh. get interested mm -hmm. in crime and yes. criminal justice. So this is like ground is the, zero yes, yeah, for yes, that. <laughs> yes. I'm incredibly interested in conversations that are happening around racial inequality in the true crime space. Like there's been good representation around that. Mm -hmm. I've seen there's been shockingly good conversations around the ethics of true crime yes. during yes. this convention. What is one of the highlights? Because I'm, I'm big into those conversations, you know, and I think that, you know, people whose stories are being told should have a hand in how they're told and, and you know, and with the direction that they go. And so yeah. what, it, what, is, what are some of the best conversations or topics you've heard in that space of ethics? Um, yesterday I went to a panel from, like, the Black and Missing yes. group. That was incredible. These are their flyers. Yeah, these yep. are their flyers. Um, they do incredible work, amazing work. Yeah. yeah, I really liked them. And I think otherwise just honestly having conversations with the different people at booths. Yeah. Like that, that I'm liking more because I get to actually connect with folks yeah. rather sure. than just sort of like listen and take it in. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on couch detectives? Good, bad, doing the necessary work? Picking up where Slack is left off. That's kind Get of real. what I'm trying to <laughs> yeah, figure yeah. out. You don't know. My you, research. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think in, in cr academic criminology, there's been a documented history that, like, since the 1990s, uh, criminal justice ideas have permeated spaces that aren't criminal justice mm -hmm. places. Yeah. And that criminal justice institutions have promoted like community involvement mm -hmm. through like neighborhood watches yeah. i studied specialized courts uh community courts yeah where they involve the community in punishing people who did low level quality of life crimes yeah so there's been like a big movement outside of the true crime space in terms of like involving amateurs mm -hmm. yeah. and community members and so in some ways i see it as uh, another way that the criminal justice logics permeate yeah. all spaces. Yeah. Like everybody's being criminalized. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, what yeah. do you guys think about? What well, it's I find it interesting that when you involve when something becomes a trend, everybody wants to be the person to solve something. So sometimes you need to let an investigation play out, but for TikTok views, somebody might make up a a hypothetical situation and then muddy the waters around something that's actively mm, yeah, being, agree you know, with that. and now everybody's saying, yeah, well, they definitely, you know, they definitely killed their brother because I heard on a Reddit thread that this happened. Yeah. And now that TikTok goes viral. And then now telephone happens. And yeah. Now that's just the, that's just the facts yeah. in the world. So when you bring that case up to somebody who casually heard about it from this TikTok, they think they know exactly what happened yeah. based on somebody that just made something up to get clicks. Yeah. So also a lot of misinformation as well. A ton of misinformation. Yeah. And it's 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 a it's that's where where journalistic integrity is important because if it's a bunch of people who don't really understand the ethics of sitting on something and you know checking your facts and you know making sure that you've checked all your boxes off, then you can be muddying an investigation and right. causing mm -hmm. it to go a, a bad way. So yeah. that's that's the one of those ethical conversations that I like to have because I do think that it's good to have a community resources like everybody focusing in and trying to put their information in, but when it starts to become 
uh, lucrative or uh, you want to get popularity, now it's not a community. It's everybody's trying to find, become the head person, the person yeah. that discovered this information. It, it, yep. So it, it, it gets that's where the ethic part, ethical part yeah. comes in, where it's like, well, why are you doing this? Exactly. It's like, are you doing this for your attention or are you doing this because you genuinely have found some information that you want to contribute to the group investigation? Exactly. So it's like. I think you know. I don't think you can have one without the other. So I don't see a world where everybody just figures out how to do it the right way. There's always going to be like an element of like disingenuous people who are just you know trying to ride the train of what everybody's talking about. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. but but also people have done a lot of good to help yeah. from their homes, from their couches, and so I, I guess you you either take both or you don't take either. Yeah, so, um, it's difficult. That yeah. makes sense to me. How about you? I agree 100% everything he just said, but I mean, like like you said, there are pros and cons to those things. Like, we've seen shows where, like, um, what was it? Um, uh, Don't Mess With Cats. Yes. It's kind of it like that. And, like, yeah. that benefited, you know, yes. it helped solve the crime. And then you have other instances where, again, you can kind of mess up a case with misinformation going around, spreading around. And then also people have their own intentions as, as far as selfishness is where it gets lucrative yeah. and mm -hmm. money gets involved and popularity gets involved yeah. and it kind of can mess up a case and ruin the whole thing. So I'll do like, that's what I, pretty much what I think about it. Kind of yeah. something you should yeah. investigate. I don't want to hold you up, but um, something I think you should look into. There was a, uh, I don't know the podcast and I wouldn't say it if I did, cause I don't like to piggyback on people getting jumped on. I don't agree with what they did, but um, there was a podcast that was working with a family. The family showed shared with them some autopsy photos and some case um, information and stuff like that. And they took that stuff and they put it behind a paywall. Mm -hmm. And every, wow. it, was like, it was like, sometimes like there's some people here that are wearing like shirts that are like offensive. Yeah. I saw a yeah. guy that had a shirt, like the whole side of it was like blown out with blood, you know? Yeah. And so somebody, you know, trusting you with their information and then you put it behind a paywall or the way that people wear merch. Or, so who do you, but who do you blame for that? Do you blame the, it's the consumer, it's, it's, or the it's the celebrity aspect. It's the okay. it's the commercial aspect of the okay. space. Right. But but my point is, um, when those kind of things happen, for most people in this space, you know it when you see it. When a line has been crossed, I I, I will I will stand up for everybody here. That I think for the most part, everybody here is like you know when a line's been crossed when you see it. like this was wrong. I don't think mm -hmm. there's any there's not many things that would be like I don't know like we agree to disagree that you know this might be ethical or unethical or you know so you know and but that was one thing for sure like for somebody to trust you to help them solve a case and then you blatantly do something that's for your own financial yeah. benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very much like everybody condemned it. It was not received well and you know I think that's important to call it out when you see it. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, yeah, there is like a weird juxtaposition of crime and trauma as entertainment Yeah. and good ethical people yeah. who want to help solve things that they think are wrong in the yeah. world. Right. It's hard. And like, yeah, there's a booth where someone's selling like skincare, like, <laughs> the true crimeification yeah. of beauty yeah. <laughs> is uh, an interesting thing. So yeah. I, I'm having a lot of cognitive dissonance, to yeah. be honest with you. It's it's okay. it's this it's an interesting space, you mm -hmm. know. Like I, I, I love I, to sit here and you talk about ethics. Is like we want to be a successful podcast, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. Like you know, we want to make money and all those things and get our message out there and, and have people as many listeners as we can so you can never I can never sit here and, and sit on a uh, you know uh, oh, an ivory tower and say that you know I'm this ethical person because at the end of the day we are trying to make make a successful path 
telling other people's stories that are real. Mm -hmm. And we know that there are people out there that hear yeah. those stories and they're kind of like, they're just like ghost stories to them. But doing it the right way and being able to just go to sleep at night and then being like, you know, I'm not trying to benefit off of this by selling tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, so it's like. Yeah. So you just got to, you, yeah. you got to, you got to live with the unethical aspects of it that you kind of have to because of the the genre in and of itself yes and then try your best to do the right thing yeah mm -hmm. and i think we can live with ourselves if we do that yeah yeah totally i'm a criminology professor it's like i'm living with the how am i making money off yeah. of yeah like how is my job connected right. to a system yeah. that's really not good yeah you get it yeah. Christine, thank you so much for the time. This thank was a you. great conversation. I appreciate you taking a minute to talk to us. All right, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. We are reporting live from the CrimeCon uh, podcast row. Right before us is uh, a woman that I met on day one, uh, a, a, a wonderful podcast based on the Freeway Phantom, an award-winning podcast uh, with some fantastic information that I feel like people need to know. If you could take a moment to introduce yourself and um, please take it away. Just, just yeah, yeah. Sure. My name is Jamie Albright. I'm a podcast producer at Tenderfoot TV. I'm also the mom of six amazing children. Yes. My husband and I are, have become advocates for an organization that's spreading awareness about a rare kidney disease that my sons have called focal segmental glomerular sclerosis. And we, and, we, and we shorten that to? It's shortened to FSGS. FSGS. Okay. And um, if you could get into the conversation that we were having yesterday about how easy this, this disease is to notify, identify, but how the information just isn't out there. Yes, absolutely. So I consider myself a very educated mother. And when my children were born, they were screened for sickle cell. As a black mother, I thought, okay, that's great. This is a genetic condition that could impact my children, and I'm aware of it. They did not have the trait. So you move through life assuming your children are healthy, yeah. and then this can sneak up at any time. So the APL1 gene is a gene that we all have. White, black, doesn't matter. But in black Americans, it mutated in order to keep us healthy from African sneak sleeping sickness. And so it lays dormant in our bodies and something can trigger it. And once it's triggered, it starts to attack your kidneys and you spill protein with little to no symptoms. And so my son was in the gym three times a day, healthy 17 year old, um, doing great, ready to go off to college. And we randomly discovered this. And I remember feeling like the rug was pulled out from under us. Yeah. How has no doctor at every physical my children have been at told me that they were at high risk of kidney failure? Wow. Because that, that is the worst case scenario of this. Yes, and what a lot of people don't know is this is not uncommon. Alonzo Mourning has FSGS. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Brian Kennedy, yeah. Rihanna's producer, has FSGS. Um, Freeway Philadelphia, the yeah, rapper, yes. has mm -hmm. FSGS. And so we've got to get the word out to black individuals, especially parents. Yes. There's this narrative that, you know, we don't go to the doctor. No, yeah. that can be the truth for some people. But a lot of us do go to the doctor. Yes. A lot of us take yes. our children for physicals. And yes. it just takes a urine screening once a year to see if there's protein in our children or our urine. Yeah. And medical companies no longer pay for annual screenings for children. Of your analysis that maybe costs what eight or ten dollars yeah yeah to save your life to yeah. save your life yeah. literally and i think a, a, a big part of what you're saying about that stigma about that you know black people don't go to the doctor or any or all those things there's a distrust 
But if you hear this information from a voice that you can trust, a family member, a friend yes. that looks like you, that you know knows your experience, hey man, listen, there's this thing called FSGS. You should check for it. And you know me t coming to you as somebody that you trust and know, go get checked out. I think that that's important. But you don't know if you don't know. Absolutely. I feel like anytime I see a black person, I just want to run up to them. If I see them with their little children in the store, I feel like I've become this person that if my sons would not have been diagnosed early, basically you typically collapse or get very ill wow. and you are in full in stage kidney failure. Yeah. So is, and you, and is, she said you, you could be you're perfectly healthy. Yeah. No, so and that just happened. Is it genetic? No. So it so it is genetic. Okay. But remember, in um, African-Americans, we do have this gene. It, I'm not a geneticist. So I will not sure. try okay. to explain it. Yeah. But we get these genes from our parents. So with, I actually just got tested to see if I have the gene, which obviously I do because our sons have it. Yeah. But it could be that my ch children got one from me, one from my husband. And there's mm. all these different components that add up to it. But I feel like anytime we've spoken to family on my husband's side or my side, it's been like, oh, yeah, you know, my cousin had some kidney thing. We don't have a lot of information yeah. because also there's so much shame around kidney disease, whether yeah. it's from the medical community saying, oh, you know, y'all stop eating all that fried food. Yeah, yeah. wow. I didn't even think about it yeah. like yes. that because I have, I, have, I have people in my family that, you know, you, uh, you, you, uh, they have jaundice or, you know, things that, you know, and, and it, it almost is uh, they're treated as if uh, it's dirty or, or, you know, it's real. It's like a contagious sickness when, you know, when you have kidney related things that might change things, circles around your eyes or yeah. anything like that. And it's, it, it does have a negative connotation to it. And it also is often dismissed to it's a you thing. You, you eat bad or stop doing this or stop drinking so much sugar or, you know. So, yeah, I didn't I never thought about it from that aspect. But yeah. I know people in my family that we have a kidney thing. Yeah, because we had we had this conversation before. About you know black people, the stigma of them not going to the hospital and stuff like that. And I remember a year ago, I was I found that I had Gilbert syndrome, which is which is genetic as well, but it's not life threatening. It's just the it's just when your um your liver is not producing the belly rubin to break down the stuff you know in your body. Yeah. But it's not it's jaundice is associated with that as well. But it's not it's just you find out by mistake. Yeah. It's always by accident. It's never like. You know, you find out when you're born. It's always you go to the doctors, get some tests done. You go, oh well, you have you have this, and then you go like, the first thing you think of, the like, eight ball. yeah, th well, yeah, because then you go, is this I'm, you scared? You get scared. Is this like threatening? And then they go, nah, it's fine. It's just something that's been passed down. And you go, but you still want to know that, you know, so you can act accordingly, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's the key. If they're if you can be screened early, like we, like we do with sickle cell, and you know you have the gene. Then you're able to say, I need to have my urine checked every year, my yes. child every year, yeah. so that we are just looking for it. And it can be a scary thing, but I would have rather caught it earlier. So my son yes. that we caught it in first was 17 turning 18. Yeah. And he is at stage two kidney failure, not one symptom. Wow. So we were able to have all of our children screened. And then my son, who's 26, also got diagnosed, but we were able to catch his earlier yeah and it makes no sense why the 17 year old at the time would be further along than the 20 year old yeah. yeah you know and my husband's a research and development chef my children have always eaten well yeah and there's so much guilt even as a parent to me like i never knew this how could i have kept them safe and yeah. so that's why i just feel this need to tell everyone i can about it yeah, yeah. yeah. that's why i wanted to have you over here fsgs um it is it is a conversation that we should be having because you can save a life yes Absolutely. So let me say one more thing about FSGS. Oh, please. Yeah, one no, more thing. please, please. The way that we got the most help was through an organization called NEFCURE. They also work with, um, like I said, Alonzo Mourning, Brian Kennedy, and they are doing free testing for the gene 
through an organization. Anyone can order the kit and see if you or your child carry this gene. Oh, wow. Okay. So Nefcure provides patient advocacy and support. They have been a blessing to our family. Honestly, you don't know what to do when you get a diagnosis like this. And yeah. they have walked us through every process, every step. And my younger son is in a research study, and he is doing phenomenal. Yeah. He's feeling great. So don't be afraid to connect to any organization that can support you in testing and also if you're diagnosed with a disease. So I want to make sure I say For that. For sure. Isn't, good, it, yeah. isn't it fascinating how there's all these worlds and communities out there that you don't know about until it's, it, it affects you, and then you find out that there's all this support out there. You just didn't know the world existed, you know? Yes. At our convention earlier this week for NEPCURE, we actually spoke to the – um, historic Black Caucus. We were the Congressional Black Caucus. We were trying to spread this message for funding and things like that because honestly, when it's a rare disease, yeah. you're fighting for someone to pay for these research studies yeah. and this education, yeah. you know, the educational piece. So yes, and I, I tell my Nefcure family, it's like the family I love so much, but I wish none of us had to be there. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Bittersweet. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It's bittersweet. But yeah. um, so thank you for that. And for the podcast, yes, last night, Freeway Phantom won outstanding docu-series of the year the yeah. crime con award which is such an honor just to be nominated yeah. and then to make the top five and then to win yeah um and that's a story of at least thank you six yeah. black girls who were sexually assaulted and murdered in dc yeah and it's unsolved for 52 years yeah so. it, we we are from baltimore and the amount of amber alerts we get and just news we get from the dc area that you know these these kids go missing so often yep. even to this day you know aside from the freeway phantom cases like it's still happening yes. you know there's so much you know tr sex trafficking happening in the dc area and i don't know what it is about dc if it's because it's such a you know worldly place people flying in and out all the time but it just feels like it's a rampant problem that i'm glad that people like you are addressing, speaking about, and shining a light on. Yep. So thank you for that. Yes, and I would encourage companies. We partnered with iHeart and Black Bar Mitzvah. Companies need to fund these projects. Like like podcasters like you who are yeah. from the ground up, independent podcasters working hard, they need to fund podcasts like yours so that these stories can be told on a larger platform yes. too. Yep. Well, I agree. Not for just selfish reasons because you said our, uh, yeah. us. But I, <laughs> but I, I fully agree. Um, sure. um, thank you so much for your time. If you have uh, anything else coming up or if there's a, a follow-up to your highly successful award-winning podcast or anything uh, in, in the world of any of the uh, uh, philanthropy that you're doing, please take a minute to plug anything. Yeah, I would just say support NEFCURE if you can through your donations. Um, Tenderfoot, we support an organization. I'm on the board of an organization called Season of Justice, and what they do is they will support families by funding billboards or flyers when they go That missing. is amazing. And they will also fund DNA testing to help solve cold cases. Wow. And I think it's the way the crime community is coming together through Season of Justice to yeah. support families so that every case gets equal access to law enforcement coverage and media attention. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you guys for the work thank that you, you do, yeah. too. Thank yeah. you. Safe travels. Oh, thanks. Uh, we're reporting live from CrimeCon. Uh, a wonderful woman named... Alex Andrews. Alex Andrews just walked up to us to inform us about something really important. Alex, if you can continue. Sorry to cut you off. Hi, Alex. Uh, hi. I'm here with the Sex Worker Outreach Project Behind Bars, and we are raising awareness about December 17th, which is the International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers. Yes. Um, this is our, going to be our 20th anniversary coming up on December 17th, and this is a day that we, remo we memorialize all of the people that we have lost to violence in the previous year, and even in the previous decades, because for so long that it's gone unrecognized and underreported. Um, this uh, event started in, in December 17th of 20 2003 um, in response to the 
Green River Killer, wow, taking okay. more than a decade to solve the cases of all of the women that went missing and were and, and were found murdered there. Yeah. Um, and just the 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 difficulty in identifying this the the people who who are gone missing and the and the lack of interest in finding the right. people who are responsible for their crimes. Yeah. Um, a large percentage of people who go missing within the sex trades are people of color. Yes. Um, uh, there are so many situations of violence that um, occur. One of my one of my clients was murdered in a Daytona Beach hotel room mm, wow. um, in 2017. Her name is Olympia Cerruti. Um, her killer was was caught, um, but it took a long time, and they were they weren't really interested in covering a lot of the details of yeah, her life. She had experienced extreme violence. She had experienced a lot of um, a lot of institution and societal violence. She had been targeted by police for um, her own exploitation. She was doing everything she could to survive. She had. Three Three young children that suffer her loss incredibly. Yeah. Um, she was separated from her family. This happens all the time, and it's always underreported. Yeah. And this is the day, December 17th, International Data and Violence Against Sex Workers. It's put out by Swap USA, SWOP org, and SwapBehindBars.org, uh, Coyote Rhode Island. Dot org, okay. um, and we are very much looking forward to raising awareness for this very important 20th anniversary memorial. Absolutely, we'll Love be sure it. to circle that date on yes. our calendar. Thank you so much for stopping by and informing us of that because that's very important what you just said, and we fully agree. Good to meet you. Yeah, same. Thank to you. you. Thank you so much. CrimeCon Day 3, we are back again live at the booth. Uh, we had the fortune on day one, I believe, to meet the gentleman standing in front of us, and he casually told us about his job, and it sounded really fascinating, and he took some time to follow up and uh, um, you know, give us a little uh, peek behind the door of what he does for a living. Yeah. Um, please introduce yourself to the audience. Thank you for the time again. Oh, no problem. Uh, my name is Bryson Bryles. Um, a 26-year uh, vet of the Army. Yes. Uh, my first 10 years, I was actually a tanker. Oh, wow. So I started okay. off in tanks. Um, decided at that point it was time for me to switch jobs. Yeah. Um, so I decided to go into counterintelligence. Um, That's a pivot. Yeah. It's yeah. quite a <laughs> bit of a difference. Um, in tanks, it was one of those things where it's like once you got used to the job, it was almost like a mindless job. It was, yeah. it was more like a, a mechanism, right? Sure. So it was what we call switchology. Right, so you get in there and you just you can hit all your switches at any given time. You could do it in the dark, your eyes closed. It didn't make a difference. Yeah, yeah. it's know, like so breathing. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. like breathing. So it's like it became a mindless job. Mm. So it was not exercising my brain at all. So I decided I wanted to do something that was going to be one better for my future, right? And, and it gave me some jobs after the fact and yeah. stuff like that, and um, but also allowed me to have a little more impact than being in the tank. Yes, right? right. So because when I joined the army, I was what 18. Okay, so. When you're 18 and you're a young man, you just want to, you know, go out and blow things up and have fun. Right. Yeah. Right? So it gets old blowing things <laughs> up. You wouldn't think <laughs> it does. Really, but not really, yeah. no. that, that part actually doesn't get old. But uh, it was always a lot of fun. But I also, that was, I joined the Army uh, pre-9-11. Wow. Okay, right? yeah. So it was, I joined in 95, and I didn't retire from the Army until 2021. Okay. Right? So. Uh, Thank you for your service again. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah. No problem whatsoever. Um, so from 2005 all the way on until 2021, I was a counterintelligence special agent. Now, when you say counterintelligence, you know, we hear that on Jack Reacher and you know Homeland right. and those. What is the layman's definition of that to a person who just hears it and it's this buzzword? 
Right, so uh, when it comes down to like the way the Army does theirs, okay, so we have two different categories basically we would do. Uh, one is more on the tactical side and one is more on the uh, strategic side, right? So on the strategic side, we do more of the actual investigations, right? We're looking for that insider threat, okay? So uh, we're looking for people that may be uh, conducting espionage or sabotage, mm -hmm. sedition, treason, you know, subversion, yeah. uh, things of those natures, right? So, um, and we're trying to stop those crimes from ever happening in the first place. Okay. Okay, so it's a little bit interesting because we will actually uh, maybe investigate somebody before a crime is actually even started or even been committed. Wow. Mm. Right, so just based off of indicators that they portray. Yeah. Right, so um, things like maybe high affluence, right? So all of a sudden you have a, a specialist or someone that doesn't uh, make a lot of money. They're making maybe $2,000 a month and... Next thing you know, they're they're pulling up in a a Porsche, a Porsche yeah, yeah, yeah. GT3 yeah. or something like that. <laughs> That's a red flag. Yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of a red flag, <laughs> yeah. right? So I was like, wait, how did you get that money? Yeah. Right? So uh, we'll we'll do a few checks to make sure things are okay. We obviously we have to have permissions. Yes. Right. So we submit up our our report and it says here are some indicators that we're noticing, mm. um, and then we get approvals to investigate or we don't get approvals to investigate. Yeah. yeah. Right. So if we get that approval, then we can run certain checks and things of that nature depending on the level of the investigation we're allowed to run, right? So, so the more you find... The more we find, the more that level yeah. may jump up. Yeah. If we find enough from the very beginning, that level may already be jumped up, right? So it could become what's called a PI, which is a, pre a preliminary investigation, okay. or it could be a full field. Mm. If we're able to run a full field from the very beginning, we're able to run every check underneath the sun. Oh, okay. wow. Right? So if we're able to run like a PI, then we're able to run things like financial checks and things of the nature, mm. right? But if we're only doing what's called an LCA, which is a limited uh, counterintelligence assessment, yeah. okay. that's to find out more of, is this actually something of counterintelligence interest? Mm. And all, right? this is, all this is all under wraps? All this is completely gotcha. under okay. the table. Okay. Gotcha. No one knows what's going on. Right, okay. We, like, we may investigate 100 different people in a year, and there might be only one case that actually goes through to anything. Mm. Yeah, right? okay. And if we find nothing on the individual and we find out, oh, this is actually legitimate, let's say that, that specialist that bought that GT3 Porsche, yeah. right? We find out he won a lottery, but yeah. it wasn't enough for him to be uh, exited from the military. Yeah. Right? Or we find out he got an inheritance. Yeah. Or whatever case We know a be. guy that won FanDuel. Yeah. Right. And got $100,000. Right. Or you won the car through a... <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Right? So those things do happen. But once we investigate, we find out that happens, okay, that's no longer, mm. no longer an indicator. And yeah. they don't right? even know. They, they have no know. idea. Mm. I don't like, it doesn't go in their record. Yeah. It doesn't do okay. anything. It just goes into a repository that shows this person was investigated previously mm. and for the reasons why that person was investigated. Okay. Wow. Right? So, and because a lot of times you may not find enough evidence, but there was something there, but you're like, okay, there's nothing else we can find. We can't find any foreign nexus. Yeah. Right? Because we have to look at the foreign nexus piece. Mm. Okay? So, uh, which makes it a little bit different from a lot of the pieces, that are, uh, a lot of law enforcement that are here. Uh, in the United States. Yeah. So we're looking for that foreign nexus of people that are from a foreign state or whatever right. it be that might be recruiting these individuals to, to pass them classified information. Like a, sl a sleeper or, cell. Is right, that, sleeper yeah. cell type yeah. of thing, right? And they're trying to find that insider threat. Yeah. Okay, so the foreign guys will come in and they'll say, okay, we want to know this specific information about this technology that you guys are building, right? So they'll find that, some, that one person, they might have access to that information. And then find out those different vulnerabilities about that person, like maybe they're getting divorced, or maybe they had an extramarital affair, yeah. or 
uh, they're doing something that's just they, they can be blackmailed for and exploit right. them. So and then they exploit that person, and that person ends up, I'm screwed. I have to do this. Okay, wow. they're gonna yeah. they're gonna not tell on me if I if I do these specific things. Yeah, and that's when we start seeing those indicators, and it could be unclassified information even. It doesn't even have to be classified. So yeah. sometimes if they find the unclassified information, that's just not, it's for official purposes only. Right. Right. So it's not something that we can actually release to the public, but it's something that's still close hold, but it's not classified in any yeah. sort of category. But who not, you're giving it to. It's not secret. It's not yeah. top mm. secret. It's not any of those things. But if you build up enough of those items, you can actually identify, hey, this is actually classified as secret or top secret even. Yeah. Right. So... Which is the reason why, like guys like Tom Clancy, actually were investigated uh, by the FBI. Like, what does this guy know? Right. So <laughs> because if you ever if you ever read the, uh, I think it was um, Red October that Tom Clancy wrote. Okay, so he put uh, enough information together through unclassified open source yeah. information, where he was able to piece all these things together, and the book he wrote ended up being classified. Wow. Right. So he got investigated almost immediately by the FBI. Like, how did you get this information? Yeah. And so when he started showing all these people, I'm like, this is how we got so this I'm information. I'm just diligent. Right. Yeah. He, I, I was just doing my investigative journalism. Yeah. Right? Which is, is basically what he was doing. Um, now, he, then he, at the, near the end of his career, he was actually teaching the FBI on how to, how to do open source uh, evaluations yeah. and try to find out what classified information we might be able to find about. Our adversaries. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Clancy's right? so tapped in. He, just, he, just, <laughs> yeah. he knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So you. So um, how long, uh, on the, once, you, once you got into the counterintelligence end of it, how long have you been doing that? Um, I've been doing it since 2005. Wow, okay. okay. So yeah. all the way up until now, right? Yeah. So I retired from the Army in 2021, right? Uh, but then I started working as a defense contractor. Okay. Um, and now all I do is I do consultations. And I also do instructions and training. Yeah. Okay. So I will write a bunch of different scenarios, whether that's uh, a collection effort or whether that is um, uh, a liaison that we might be doing with a, a, the host nation for whatever country we might be in. Yeah. Um, meeting with our embassy personnel and how we actually have those meetings. Um, or it might be an investigation that we're actually conducting. And I'll write those different scenarios, and we have a role player that comes in, like an actor, mm. you know, and they'll, oh, wow. and they'll act those different roles out, and so we can get practice and make it feel more like real life. Yeah. Wow. And then they'll actually write their reports and things of that nature, and, and they go through it that way. And that's what I do now. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, um, and I really enjoy it because it's one of those things where I get to mentor uh, the younger generation. For sure. Mm -hmm. uh, the newer agents, and sometimes the older agents as well. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't make a difference on how many years you've been an agent you're always having a different experience. Absolutely. Right? So, like, my first 10 years uh, as an agent, um, I was only tactical, right? So I had never actually even did an investigation until my 11th year mark. Right. Right? So in my very first investigation, I get to um, I get to over into Germany and into Homefels. I'm part of the, the Homefels field office over there. Yeah. And uh, I get there, and it was, like, a week later, uh, I just got done in processing through the unit and stuff like that. And uh, my boss comes up to me, and, which is, we call him the SAC, yeah. right, which is the special agent in charge. And um, when we have, uh, he comes up and he says, hey, I'm, I've got to leave. We have this case going on. Yeah. And uh, you're going to conduct the subject interview, right? So now I'm talking to the actual guy that is, we know for a fact is, at this point, in trouble, yeah. committing espionage, mm. things of nature. So my very first interview as an investigative act was an actual subject interview. 
Wow. And was it intense? Or? It was very intense. <laughs> it was very intense. But uh, we came up with a lot of different theories on uh, what could be happening with this guy. We had a crap ton of evidence. Um, and then when we got done to it, it's like we started going through all these different theories, started practicing and rehearsing, you know, how this interview was going to go. Yeah. Um, before we pulled him in. And um, I was like, you know, I, w- I was playing the devil's advocate and say, and what if this guy is just doing this? Yeah. You know what I mean? And everyone was like, no, there's no way. We have all this evidence. We, you know, this guy's guilty, guilty, guilty. Yeah. Everyone all the way up the chain was like, this guy's guilty, guilty, guilty. Hmm. You were and, like, but um, what if? Yeah, so. But I, was like, but I was like, what if it's not? What if he's just bored? What if he's just <laughs> doing this because, you know, I mean, the guy was basically, I don't want to say this without, without going into too much of the details. It's like um, he was having a lot of connections with, with, uh, foreign women mm-hmm. got right it. so what we call would be called the honey pop got right? it got it so when because dude was not a good looking guy yeah uh he was much older sure right um kind of looked like a quasimodo looking guy sure. right but his dms were just flooded and right yeah, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. yeah. And he was always showing he was always showing off these really gorgeous models and yeah oh i'm hooking up with this girl i'm hooking up with that girl yeah. and that gets reported to us as an indicator yeah right and we're like okay like, this guy's this guy's All ugly right. as shit yeah so right. when so i do have a question when you guys are investigating and trying to find these indicators is it is it a team of you guys is it like steps it, is you pa- like you do your research and i'll pass the file down to this person to get the next we indica- we do uh, a daily meeting okay right and there's okay. usually uh like my field office at that time had there was four of us in the field office. Okay. We had the SAC, myself, and, and uh, two other agents, right? Uh, and remember, so the SAC is the special agent in charge. It's yes. S-A-I-C. Okay. Not S-A-C. Yeah. Right? Or S-A-C-K. <laughs> <laughs> right? So um, so we, we, we always do these daily meetings, but our SAC was getting ready to go to Poland. Yeah. Right? So he had, he had to deploy to Poland uh, for his mission. Um, so I was basically in charge at that point. Right? So... I had these two uh, younger agents with me that were still in the probationary program. Uh, one was extremely smart. She was an analyst uh, before, before she became an agent, um, and she really knew her stuff. Yeah. Um, she was able to pick up on a lot of different things. We had a lot of permissions to go into, like, his work computer or things of that nature uh, and verify what, you know, what he's searching for and all this other kind of stuff. Um, his level of access which she had access to a lot of things, yeah. not just on us, but on our allies as well uh, with NATO and things of that nature. Oh, wow. So this guy definitely had a lot of vulnerabilities. Yeah. Right? And I was just like, what if this guy's just a man? He likes or, talking to you women know, yeah. online. What if he's yeah. just a man? And they're like, no. Yeah. And, you're uh, wrong. You're yeah. wrong. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, they can't be because all this stuff he's got and all these printouts he's made and everything else. And, and um, I'm like, okay, well, let's run it both ways. Yeah. Right? So I decided to go with the the calm, cool approach at first, and and decide you know to find out exactly what's going on. Um, we read him his rights at the very beginning because obviously if he says anything, then we have to make sure he's he's got his rights read to him. Yeah. And he didn't understand what was going on at first, and then after I read the rights, now we can talk about it. Yeah. Mm. Right. I said we're here to talk about this, and his body posture instantly went from being really closed. They're really open, like, really? That's what we're here for? <laughs> okay, great. What do you want to know? <laughs> you know what I mean? like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. And so we started asking these questions. He gave us everything. Yeah. He gave us his personal laptop. He gave us his, his, his phone. He gave us all of his uh, account information, yeah. his username, his passwords. <laughs> he goes, 
He goes, mind you, you're going to find some dick pics and things of that nature <laughs> here. And he goes, because this is what He's I'm like, doing. But I love got, talking about this. Right, yeah, but, yeah. The, yeah, but he did. He, he, was, he was proud of it. Yeah. yeah. Right? He's like, oh, so, y'all here for something I thought, yeah. something different yeah. I thought y'all yeah, got before. He was. He was just legitimately a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? So, it just, it so just, you were right. Yeah, I was right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. we found the guy innocent. and But we, at the same time, he also presented a lot of vulnerabilities. It looked really bad. Right, so we yeah. have to write that up, saying that he's, he's got these vulnerabilities. Here's the reasons why. And he, so you he can, ended so up you losing can, his clearance over it because wow, of the vulnerabilities. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's what I was going to ask. You know, so, you, so, you can, so you can you can pass the test of in the background that you do, but still have enough red flags that it's like, we're going to keep an eye on this. He yeah. passed the test as far as being innocent, yeah. right? But he didn't pass the test as far as still be on the hold of clearance, mm, right? Okay. So because of the, all the vulnerabilities he still yeah, had, yeah. right? So, and that stuff like that happens too. Like he didn't go to jail, right? Right. He doesn't have a crime on his record. But he got essentially demoted. Right, yeah. but... He lost his clearance access. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, and and but that's right there is a is a vulnerability, and it's uh, one of those things that you just you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. So my philosophy is is anytime I'm going after somebody, I want to prove them innocent before I can prove them guilty. Because wow. if I okay. can't prove them innocent, then they're probably guilty. Well, then they're probably guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and I've done a total of ten cases. Um, I'm sorry, eleven cases, um, and I've only had one uh, that I couldn't find innocent. Wow. Right. Wow. So, and because the majority of those things that you're, you're looking at is, you know, just all these different vulnerabilities out there. Now, I didn't finish that, that case where I couldn't find the person innocent. Yeah. Um, so I don't actually know what happened to that case. <laughs> right. So because once I'm not lo- no longer in that field office. Yeah. I no longer have access to that file. Got right. It. So I can't I can't identify can't follow anything up that happened. Or, yeah. Because maybe they found more evidence later that says he was innocent. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. Wow. You know, so. Wow, Bryson, uh, thank you so much for the time. Thank well, you, before, man. Before I let you go, I really would like to get your thoughts on this. In the time that you've been doing counterintelligence, what are your thoughts on the advent of how social media and the internet has uh, become so intrinsically woven into how people function in society? Right. Do you feel like that's made your job easier or harder? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, both. Um, easier for us to find vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, but then, like everything's a vulnerability, like, right? People put so much out there, right? Yeah. yeah, it's easier, I think, for us to find vulnerabilities. But I think it's harder for us to, because it's on their personal media. Yeah, we have to have a lot more permissions, mm, right? Okay. So yeah. it's harder for us to say that we can do those certain things, right? So their vulnerabilities may only being shown on social media, and we can't just search somebody's social media just because. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow, okay. Right? Wow. So, yeah. as Army counterintelligence, I'm Got not it. saying yeah, other yeah, agencies yeah. can't yeah, do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but legally, in, in legally, the course of the investigation. You can't do that. Wow. Right? You can only do that once an investigation is actually opened on somebody. Right. And you have those permissions. Yeah. Right? So, that part makes our job a little more difficult. Yeah. Right? So, but we do have what's called open source um, uh, investigators as well. They will look for uh, indicators on open source that will allow us to do certain things. Yeah. But they have a mission and a job to do that, right? And they have to look at specific people that might be working within a specific field that yeah. would that we know our, our adversaries are looking for. And so, therefore, we, mo- we may monitor those, those items. Yeah. And we only monitor based off of red flags that we come in the system, like if they're posting about something at work. Yeah. Right? So... If they never post anything about work, but they have all these other vulnerabilities, we'll never know. Yeah. Mm. Right? So, yeah, it's just one of those things. So wow. it's just interesting. Yeah. 
Well, Bryson, thank you so much thank for your you, time. Man. Hey, no really problem. Appreciate you coming back around. Absolutely. And that was fascinating information. Absolutely. Great, man. Thank, thank you. you so much. Bye.